When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I'm talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed worldwide, according to Indeed data. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million monthly unique visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hack It Out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hack It Out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back. Hack it out. Golf podcast time. Myself, Mark Crosswood, Lou Stagner, Greg Chalmers. Uh, we're talking how to practice into a net. This is something I actually grew up doing because we had no practice area where I played. So I always enjoyed trying to make practice as practical as possible when you couldn't see the ball flight. You'll be amazed how much you actually can learn in these situations. Um, and I know Lou and probably Greg as well have got plenty of experience of practicing, maybe not in the optimal position, but trying to get the most out of their golf game. Should be a fun one. Lou and Greg, welcome. Um, nice to have you with us this evening, Greg. There was a few technical difficulties at the start, but we got there, didn't we? Uh, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> it's fun when you guys, I can hear everything you're saying and you're roasting me on a spit, both of you two clowns. <laughs> And I can hear everything and you can't hear a word I'm saying. And I'm technological Gumby here trying to figure out a microphone. It's awesome. Thanks for that. No problem. You're you're welcome. Um, So we're talking practicing into a net. Lou, I know you do a lot of practice into nets, don't you, as we stand at the minute? I do. You've got one. You've you've done things and even thought about designing things that you've talked to me about off camera uh, with nets. And just before we get into it, Greg, have you, I mean, you obviously PJ Tour players, there's not many PJ Tour events you rock up to where you're um, having a few balls in the net before you start, I guess. Is no, <laughs> no, should, correct. They should do that. Don't have, you think that I, would be a brilliant addition? This is the, <laughs> <laughs> this is the 10 minutes in the net before you start tournament. See how you go. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thrilled. I, um, I have had events where you ha- can't hit driver. They have a net down the end. Yes. I've had an Australian Open and Boise used to do that because oh, the, wow. the range runs out of room. Um, but didn't do a lot of it growing up. I mean, we had a net where I grew up. We didn't have a range. Um, but we had a thing called the sun where you oh. could hit outdoors. So it was a lot different to what you guys experienced, you know, yeah. Mud Island and Lou up there at Snowville. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we didn't have a net. We had, we had the sun. You could be outside, Mark. It was easy. Yeah, that is great. So you didn't, as a junior, you didn't hit much in nets. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I would say no. We we warmed up in a net, to be honest. I'm joking. But, yeah, we did warm up in a net because that's all we had as a kid at hmm. my, my club. We didn't have – so, yes, I do have some experience getting ready. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's get into it about uh, how to practice better in a net. Yeah, and, I mean, this is something for any of the UK audience. I don't know – you can correct me here as well, guys, if you – I, I think – I've not been your side playing as much, Lou, but um, nets in the UK is such a common way of warming up. I mean, it just is, it's a stable diet of so many UK courses because our courses are often 100 years old, you know, where there was no practice areas built those days. And when there are practice areas, there's lots of courses that they're not long enough, like Lou's, uh, that, that Greg was saying earlier. Um, so practicing in a net is something you do have to be half decent at in the UK. What's it like your side of the pond and your side of that place that you live on that side of the pond, Lou, because obviously you go cold. So net indoor practice becomes something that's important, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it does. Yeah. It, it, it has always been important living in the Northeast. I've lived in the Northeast most of my life um, and it gets cold and snowy and it's challenging to get outside. 
Um, when I lived uh, in, a, in a different city, uh, they had a couple of practice domes. They were huge and, and they were maybe 70, 80 yards to the back wall. And the ceiling was maybe 70 or 80 feet high. And so you could see a pretty large amount of the ball flight and, yeah. and even hit, you know, 80 yard wedges to the back, 85 yard wedges to the back. Um, and as long as you didn't flight them extremely high, you could see the entire flight of the wedge. It was really nice to have that. Um, I don't have one like that where I live now. So everything that I do is um, into a net. Um, and it's it's been a way that I've practiced for a while now. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about some things you can do to get better if you are net practicing. Lots of people all over the world subject to, you know, not always just weather, but um, indoor practice is becoming more of a thing. Lots of people with home simulators, home, um, you know, launch monitors. I know you use the GC3, we call it. I think you call it a Bushnell something in the US, Correct, too, don't yep. you? Yeah. Um, so let's try and keep it to start, maybe if we can, just a net, you know, because not everyone's going to be having the level of um, launch monitor at home that, say, you've got, Lou, because it's a you know big financial commitment. Uh, what are some of the key things that people can do in the net for me to kick it off? Strikes one of the best places to start and really start learning about when hitting in a net, because it's kind of the only thing you're going to see stroke feel. Um, and you should be trying to measure strike as much as possible to learn what patterns you get out of different clubs when you're trying to hit different shots, and if you can control it. Um, Lou, I presume that's something in a net you would start with, isn't it? You, you're monitoring your strike on each shot. I mean, I know, Greg, you'll be monitoring your strike on each shot in a net or out of a net, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It kind and of starts I, I there, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. That's what I would touch on. Um, if you, you can get an opportunity now to really get into how well you're striking it, um, given that you can't see the ultimate ball flight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd dive right into that. Absolutely. Lou, is that something with your network that you're already doing at the minute? Yeah, that's a big part of, of practicing, and, and I think that applies to whether you're inside or outside. Uh, you want to be working on strike, and we've talked about it in the past. Uh, there's a lot of different things you can do. Go get yourself some foot spray. Get yourself some uh, some impact tape. Um, you can use, which I do often, a dry erase marker yep. that you draw a small little dot on the back of the ball, place, place it so the dot is facing back towards the club, hit it and then see where it strikes the face. And, and then there's lots of drills you can do to uh, to move the ball around the face, intentionally try to hit in different places. But yeah, working on strike is extremely important. Yeah, absolutely. And then that would lead on obviously to low point control, which you can do in a net, but you do have to make sure you're working in the mat to a certain extent, if that's fair, because mats uh, as a general are way more friendly than you'll get on the turf i've you know i used to as a full-time coach you would generally in the uk it's mat work it's indoors hitting outdoors and then indoors when it got cold indoors um and you would see plenty of strikes on mats where the student would think that's okay and you would just think <laughs> that isn't okay like if you hit that shot outside in lots of conditions that club was not going to meet the ball like it did bouncing off the mat um lou i'm sure that's something you're very aware of when you're practicing when the mats helped you are you or is it something you're still trying yeah, to figure mats, out no mats make it make it so much easier i would be a, i'd be probably we'd all be three or four shots better us amateurs anyway would be three or four shots better if we could hit everything off of a mat yeah. they're so incredibly forgiving you can hit so far behind and have the the club just kind of bounce into the ball and and maybe end up hitting a smidge high on the face launching it with less spin and it goes like a rocket so um you know if you're using something like uh you know one any one of the launch monitors um you know you're going to hit the ball on the hole a lot farther than you otherwise typically would across all your shots just because it's it's so forgiving compared to hitting off grass. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, 
It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And then what other key things could they do? So if we take strike, they want to be watching low points, so how much the mat is helping them out or not. Heel and toe, high and low on the face, which kind of links with low point as well. Um, and I can't stress that enough, making sure that you really do start with strike and work out from there. Now, they're not seeing any ball flight. So yeah. well, that's hard for a lot of golfers. You know, I do tests yeah, with golfers where so you take the ball flight away, even on my sim, to see what ideas they've got of understanding of shots. You know, could you feel what that was? So without seeing ball flights, what, what other things could people do to help them? Yeah, what, what I used to do, um, so I didn't always have launch monitor. I used to just hit into a net with no technology feedback at all. Um, and it's important to pick a target in the net and try to hit at a target in front of you. A lot of nets will have some kind of bullseye or something. But what I used to do with the, with the net setup that I had <clears throat> is I had two ropes that I hung down from the top of the net that would hang vertically. And um, down at the bottom of these ropes, I just had little um, almost bean bags that I just tied to the bottom of the rope so the rope would hang relatively straight and, and the rope didn't have any, you know, it would hang relatively straight. Um, <clears throat> and I would space two ropes apart um, so that if I hit the ball between these ropes, I was... Um, starting the ball relatively online. Think of it like you know putting gates. Like people, <laughs> uh, he's lost me. <laughs> Think of it like putting gates when you set up. Greg, do you ever work on your you putting? Know, you could just put two sticks out there. Did, did I no. just fall asleep for five minutes? <laughs> no, no. He's like, got the. You, you can't just put two sticks out there. Alignment rods. You've got to build some ropes hanging from the roof. <laughs> Well, and it's important in the ropes you could slide back and forth. Go on. It's, it's important. It's well, you have to. Right. No, keep going, you, Luke. Keep going. You have to use a right, like, You nasty. have to use a right triangle calculator to get the angle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. You, you are kidding. To, we know. You have to know how far apart to put the ropes, depending on how far away you are from. From your net, you have to space the ropes appropriately oh if you're trying to keep within like a five yeah. percent tolerance, yeah. for example. Because so that's what go on, Luke, that's sorry. what I would do. Yeah, that's what I would do. Now, I I don't know if the ball was going to curve a significant amount one way or the other. Yeah, but I do know that I'm hitting a start line, and I would think of ball striking with my irons no different than hitting a start line with my putter. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to do. I was setting up these gates to hit a start line. Um, and I think that really helped me be very focused on uh, where the ball was, uh, where the ball was going to go, which I think in nets, sometimes people just get up there and they swing away and they haven't really picked a target. And I get that if you're not in a simulator and you're not kind of looking at a fake hole or a fake driving range, and getting really good feedback, I get that it's hard to do that in a net, which, you know, it, it sounds funny what I did with setting these ropes up, but it's really, you know, helping you with a good start line. And if you can, if you can get it through those gates all the time, it's no different than getting it through the gates when you're, when you're putting um, and you're hitting your start line. So Mark, I think you could, you, he, he's talking about too, couldn't you impact the, like I use that for impacting the path of the club. Like if I can start that ball right of something, left of something, yeah. then you know, a chronic slicer could put a stick out in front or build a whole rope contraption like Lou with a protractor <laughs> and four million computers. Um, you could just get a rod. They're about $1.95. You're buying their snow markers here in the States and you stick an alignment rod out in front, about 10 feet in front of you, and you start it right of the rod or left of the rod depending on how you want to affect the path. But, but here's or, where here's where a lot of people idea. are going to hear that, and they're going to be like, well, what are you going to put the rod into? Like you're in your garage, right? Well, what I just you stand it on the ground. There's this thing called the ground, right? <laughs> and you stand it on it. Right? You're leaning against No, nah, I need an adjustable rope system with pulleys and levers. Come on. <laughs> oh, uh, wait, are you sure? Wait, are you sure you don't want me to caddy for you in one of your <laughs> upcoming events? I'm very confident. So, very apart like from 48 me, minutes to get one yardage. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Apart from me going into a, a like a, 
an awoken almost coma for two minutes there. What Lou is actually saying is, uh, which Lou often, and if not 100% of the time, often does say, which is complete sense. He's basically talking about start direction there. And start direction is key. You have to be able to start the ball in a direction. Anyone who is a chronic slicer, if they can't start the ball to the right with any kind of confidence, they have to be a striker. A, a slicer, you know, if they're if they're slicing the ball twenty yards, they have to start it left to it target. So the amount of people I would get to come for lessons who would say, you know, big slice trying to fix that, so I'm swinging massively out to right field ideas, trying to start it down the right. And I think, well, if you start it down the right with your face control, that ball ain't ever coming back. So you'll never do that. So they they're all so cl- like linked and intertwined and start direction. Is, is huge coming from face predominantly and if I was the if I was only allowed to toy, teach face or path so someone waved a wand and they said look when you teach you're only allowed to change people's paths or you're only allowed to change their face and everything else has to fall in line I would choose face because most people react to what that face is doing people who learn with the ball with a face that points way left they generally swing away from the inside to try and then balance everything out. People who tend to have a face that's way right, they tend to just shift everything way left. Uh, and it's that's unfortunately there would be people if there was that rule, there'd be plenty of people you wouldn't help because some of them do react to path and then face falls into line. But it's mm. my experience; it was always slimmer. It was always face. So you're you're dead right, Lou. I mean, start direction, like you say, with your putts. It's a good analogy. Maybe a better analogy from the rope system that I I did phase out a little bit, so I can't give. I can't even. I don't even know what the rope system was. But as soon as there was a system of ropes, you'd lost me. So I used to do it with the crease in the net because there's always a crease in the net. Like if you hit five or ten balls into a net, there starts to be a crease, and then I would be starting right as a crease. So I'm going to start it on that crease. I'm going to start it just right at that crease, and I'm going to start it just left, like eyeballing it. Um, um, cause I'm, I'm, a, and people listening, this is where I think me and Lou can be very opposite sometimes. Um, I'm sometimes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he had a rope system. It was X degrees. That crease can't work. You definitely need to build a whole system. Of ropes. You can't possibly just do it with a crease. Well, I like, cause I was in such a false situation in a net. I tried my hardest to make it more realistic, to be more eyeballing, to more, I'm seeing a start line, which is immediately in front of me, which is the net. But I'm trying to picture that through to a target. I was I'm a very visual learner. As you guys know, like we we had a guy, the author, come on with the Phil book. And there's no point sending me that book. I can't read that. It's not gonna go in my head. I'm gonna have to read it ten times. You send me the audio tapes, I'll listen and it'll go in. And and I'm not I go to seminars and stuff and they talk. It's not until I start asking the questions and we start doing physical bits that my brain starts to kick in. I, I don't I can't sit there with systems and it just doesn't go in. It's just not how my brain functions. So I was much more being in that false situation and then trying to make it more natural where the pulley system to me would have just, I would have been thinking, well, how can I translate that to a feel on the course? Because as soon as you take that pulley system away, am I actually any good? So I also compare my old, I think I've told this story before my old art college. uh, When I went to art college, we had a 3d design center and you had a wood cutter. And he said, don't touch the wood cutter, you know, spinning blade, because it'll cut your finger off, which sounds obvious. He said, but what we used to have here is we used to have one that if you touched, it turns off. It sends flesh, it's not wood, and it turns off. So it's like a scratch rather than it would sever your finger. He said, that was the worst thing we ever had here with students, because what they all did is went, look, they'd get their mates in and go, look, and they would touch it. And it's not that good. <laughs> and they all start cutting still... their finger off because they would like try and test it. So what he did is he said, well, no, 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 it's so false. If I say that cuts their finger off, no one touches it. If I say you can touch that and it turns off, they all bloom and touch it. <laughs> <laughs> so I see lose, sometimes lose systems to me. My brain thinks, well, I don't, I, I can't flip that. I, it, it's, it's almost like, and I say this to students, drills are great. But if the drill was doing it for you and you remove the drill and nothing changes, which happens, I've tested with students, mm-hmm. you know, they do the drill and the numbers are different and then you take the drill away and they just do the same thing. I said, well, that's not doing anything, is it? That's just not doing anything. Where if I right. do the visual of putting a bucket out in front of them and they just got to miss it, 
oh, look, that does shift the needle even when I move the bucket because they can still mentally put the bucket there or whatever. Um, but start direction, I agree, Lou. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, so it would are you, surprise are you guys me. Going to... Sorry, it would surprise me that you're a kind of lever, lever, maths kind of guy as well. That, that's it's, it's very surprising. So, are you guys going to beat me up when I tell you about the um, the the horizontal yeah, system well, that I had? These are vertical ropes. Let's do the. I had a horizontal system. Yeah, come on. <laughs> for trajectory, yeah. which is Mark, also good. Which is also good. Mark yeah. needs a nap. So let's go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had this system where I could set up a blanket and just um, the blanket was a, a certain size. I had one for the top and one for the bottom. Yeah. Tiger and Woods I could, blanket? I could set up so I <laughs> had Tiger Woods blanket, exactly. So I would I could move the blanket around um, and this would help me either, you know, keep it under the blanket, trying to hit low ones or above the, like trying to hit a certain trajectory window. Which is great So I, I would change, I would change that around and had that stuff to, to help me, which was great. Yeah. Were they, were they in, were they linked? Could you do, or could you I go could do them high, both. right, yeah, low, could. left? I don't know why I I'm could. asking this question because I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah. I could. Yeah. So you would. Put it, was, it, it was almost like a like, and, and I think this would make a great device for somebody um, at home that's only hitting into a net with no feedback. Um, if it was set up in a way that they could move these things around easily, um, I think it's a great way to practice into a net where you don't have a launch monitor with you. Yeah. Because I think people, so many people, fall into this trap of just blasting away into the net, yeah, and they have no idea what really is going on. And this at least gives you some really good targets and good feedback. Yeah, wedges are good for practicing in the net. If you go and put an average amateur in a net, you'll really clearly see how inconsistent your launch is. So if you have, if you've got a net at home or you warm up before you go and play, hit twenty wedge shots, all trying to hit in the same distance, one club. And see if you are hitting a really tight spot on that net. You should be. If you're not, don't wonder why you get out on the course and one wedge pops up, comes up short right, one goes the right distance, one goes long left, two come up short. You've got to be hitting those launch windows. I mean, with all your clubs, but wedges are just so predictable with good players. You put a good player on a launch monitor, their wedge launches are hilarious, um, which is why often they're very good at judging distances. Um, so you can the, the the systems you know the pulley they're optional. <laughs> oh, they are for optional. Some people. <laughs> for some people. Yeah. So basically, your start direction, high, low, uh, left, and right is going to be your killer things. What about working with anything else in a net, Lou? Another thing I used to not do enough of, but I do it now. I still have the ball flight in front of me, but I know if I was at my club as a junior, I would definitely spend so much time doing this. Is speed training in a net can be great because you can take all those emotions of being scared of missing target and dump them and do some overspeed training. Speed training in a net, you know, if you're like Lou, that kind of place where you are going to not get on the golf course for a period of time and you want something to challenge you, something to push you on, something to try and be a better player or just see if you can achieve it. Speed training in a net. Lou, I know you've done it, haven't you? Your speed training. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah, moved your speeds massively and that would have been predominantly net practice, I guess. Yeah, it was almost exclusively done. It's the best in the practice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Well, you don't have to pick them up for a start. That's great because obviously if you're doing speed training, there's a good chance you might do somewhere it goes a little bit off planet at the start. Sure. So in a net, is just a great way of doing it, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Great way to do it. You don't have to worry about strike, which when you're speed training, you shouldn't worry about strike. You yeah. should be worrying about just how fast the club head moves. So, yeah, it's a great, great place. And then obviously... You can hit, go hit that 109 real readily. No, what is it? 99, <laughs> sorry. 99. Uh, 99. 109 yeah. in his dreams. Creeping, it's creeping <laughs> in the wrong direction, that's for sure. 
Never mind. <laughs> oh, Lou's getting Good. hammered tonight. <laughs> I, uh, all right. Hey, I'm going to make up for all the roasting I took. Lou's got to go, <laughs> everybody. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, other thing that, that I would say that I think is extremely – well, there's two other things I want to touch on that I think yeah. are, are, are extremely important when you're practicing in a net. One of them is making sure you're you're going through um, uh, some kind of pre-shot routine. Okay. I'm not saying work on your full pre-shot routine, but step away. Um, it can be very, very easy to just hit a ball, rake another one over, and just machine gun balls into this net. Step away, get behind the ball. It's what I do. I get behind nearly every shot into the net, and I pick a very specific physical spot in the net that I'm trying to hit the golf ball. And then I step in and I do that for every single shot. And I think um, some people fall into the trap uh, of, of quantity over quality. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's important to, to, to really get some quality reps in as opposed to just hitting as many balls as you can. Okay. So in, in um, question to that point, then I think it's a great point that you make. Um, so as someone who practiced in nets for loads, I would do a mixture of what you just said. So I would I would start much more with, unfortunately, I grew up in a position-based era, so I would have been working on positions, which where it served me fine as well, it's also cost me in other areas, but that's a different pod. Um, I would definitely be working on positions, which I wouldn't step away from. That would be shot, drill a feeling, shot, drill a feeling shot just trying to get my brain to make that movement but then in that in that very session I would then do a batch in the exact way you're saying to see if I could bleed the block into the quality that I know I would have to take out on the golf course so is that fair in your mind Lou or are you just literally doing pre-shot routine on every shot you can't you must be doing series mm -hmm. where you're hitting yeah, 10 I mean, in a row where you're trying to like if you're changing a grip for instance like you're better off hitting for lots of people 200 shots don't see where the ball goes and just I mean you're actually better off not hitting shots at all for lots of people but taking the ball flight away and just getting used to moving a club face with that new hold is just it's so key for someone who's fighting a something so basic to change. Does that make sense? Um, Greg, did his audio start to sound really funny? Yes. Yeah, your audio started started to sound like you were. It underwater. was when you tilted down. It is sounded it, like how you're is underwater. it now? How's it now? It's good fine now. now. Yeah, yeah. Good now. When you stay up top there, you're fine. It's when you tilted down just a little bit. Uh, it sounded like you're underwater. Yeah. Okay. I'll see if that comes out in recording. I don't think it will because I'm not getting it. I'm monitoring the recording, you see, and I didn't get that, but yeah. I've made a time stamp, so I'll note that. Where could I pick up to repeat on that? Um, you don't. I don't think you have to repeat if it's okay, if you think it's fine. I, I think I yeah. would just come in with the answer. So what was the question again? The question we'll was... Just, um, do you come in and out of, like, doing... Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff? yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, th I think for me, um, I, I try to step away from most shots and have intention on what I'm doing. And if I happen to be working on something position related, I'm typically, at least, you know, for the last year, I'm typically trying to work on that through some exaggerated feels. Um, so I will, whatever I'm trying to do, I will over exaggerate it yeah, and, and do that. that a few times to really try to feel a difference. But I'm typically stepping away from most shots just to make sure that I am very intentional, uh, very intentional about the the target I'm trying to hit or the kind of shot I'm trying to hit. Yeah. And I do that more for me, for my own, um, you know, tendencies in the past of just to rifle through golf balls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I was I used to be kind of of the mindset where, you know, I I, I, I was going to hit a quota. I was going to hit 250 shots a day and yeah. I was going to get through it no matter what. Uh, and I would just get through it no matter what, where I would rather hit 50 or 60 good quality shots um, with some rehearsal swings in between and some exaggeration moves in between than simply swinging the club 250 times. So yeah. I, um, I, like I, I would I'd say it's a balance, but it, it, I would just caution people to, to avoid going through the machine gun routine. Yeah. So what's interesting with that, I don't know what you think about this, Greg, as in I hear Lou as in 
as a student and as students I've taught and what Lou's saying there, I'd say, yeah, that's a really good system, what he's saying there, just like ease off and definitely lots of students would do practice that we could argue is, um, you know, they're doing practice for practice sake almost, like I'm going to hit 250 mm. balls. Like the fact that Lou says I'm going to hit 250 balls or 2,000 balls or whatever there, and that's what I, I've never practiced like that. I can't even imagine practicing like that. I've practiced thinking I want to develop a feel and I might not care how many shots that's been, but I've never had a quota of shots, but I know plenty of students who would. If you were changing an action, Greg, I presume, and this is a guess, that you're going to base it more on when you feel you've got the feeling more than if I hit 250 shots for the next five days, I'll have it. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, how yeah yes. Yeah, yeah, no question. I, you know, hitting out, hitting in a net, it, it does give you an, the opportunity to work on something like Lou's talking about. I would base that more on what you're talking about, which is do I have the feeling? Yeah. And if that takes 50 balls, 100 balls, I don't really don't really sort of look at that and go, I won't have it until I get to this point. Yeah. Um, what Lou's just talking about, what I would just call low-quality practice yeah. in the first case, yeah, you know, what totally. he used to do. He's doing now much higher-quality stuff, and you can do less of that and get more results, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely better better practice. I've always found it you know, the the – Opportunity in a net, if I, when I'm hitting balls in a net, and I do this in the winter sometimes at my club, it's really a great chance to pick something and really hone in on it. So if it's a new move, I can practice my full routine like Lou's talking about. I actually find because I don't have a target to look at, but I like to imagine a target. Yeah. So there's stuff that I like to do in my full routine when I play golf that I like to practice in a net because now I can really just hone in and focus on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, mate, I I would just hit balls until I got the feeling and and rather than I must hit 200 balls today uh, because in that, in that stretch, you're going to have some low quality reps that are just a waste of time. Yeah. And Lou, just a question for you then. And I know I've, I've asked this to students and I, I get why they do the, I'm going to hit this amount of balls until it's fixed kind of stuff. Because um, you could argue that possibly someone like Greg has more feeling, as in he knows when he's found a feeling that he thinks, I want to go and test that. You, as an amateur with maybe, a, well, with less experience certainly than Greg at playing at a higher level, um, you're not trusting yourself to think, oh, I've got that. Because obviously golf often comes in and goes, well, you haven't got that, have you? Is that fair? That's why you have more of a, a system that you stick to, because you're almost testing the system rather than Greg is testing himself. Does that um, make sense? So have you stood in a net and thought, because I know for a fact I've stood in a net and just thought, yeah, that's where I want it to feel. I I'm a, I can tell if that ball is butter fading, semi-drawing. Yeah, I can hit into a net all day long and I could call the shots blind. Like I've done it in videos. It, I can just do it because I've practiced in nets a lot. So I'm not thinking I need X amount of shots. I'm thinking, have I got that feeling? Yeah, it's there. Cool. Let's take that to the course. That That's there. Are you having that same thing? You think, there it is. Yeah, I, no, I think I, I yeah, I, I do have those same yeah. feelings. Are yeah. they at the same level as Greg? No, not not even remotely close. But I'm but not I, sorry. I, just sure. to, I don't want to interrupt, but just to, I'm not, I'm not asking you as Lou. I'm asking you as Lou 10%. I'm asking you as Lou as representing all average golfers who feel and have felt, you know, because does that make sense? I'm asking it like, because... You're off five and being off scratch. Imagine if that's a, a 20 handicapper. They're going to stand yeah. in the net and go, well, I ain't got a clue. Yeah, I, I, so I think So this is where the... 250 balls might work <clears throat> yeah. better for them or not. Do you see where I'm going with that? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I think practicing with good feedback um, is extremely helpful. Agreed. I think being very intentional about how you practice is also very helpful. Yeah. Um, these are things that I've gotten a lot smarter about over the last few years. Um, and I think the science has also developed quite a bit on how we effectively practice and learn. Yeah. Um, and, and that's contributed to, to me getting smarter, um, learning all of those, all of these things that we now, you know, know and understand about skill acquisition. So, um, can I go through and create a feel? I, I can. Um, do I? Could I call my shots pretty effectively? Probably. Yeah. Not certainly not as good as you two, but I could. Yeah. Could a twenty handicap? I don't think so. I mean, they're probably not going to be as good as Greg at doing that. 
but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't go through and be intentional about how they practice because um, I think just rifling through through balls um, can be uh, can be detrimental and and not very helpful. Now I'm not saying a 20 handicap is going to to need to go through a full pre-shot routine every single time. Um, you know there is a lot of there is more benefit to block practice for a higher handicap player for for a, a lower skilled player. Yeah. Um, and and, and so learner, going through and doing yeah going through and doing more of that I think um, is is good for them, but I still think they need to be aware of some of these things because it will help change the quality of their practice. Yeah, I would agree fully with that, and I think as well an interesting point on that, and I just want to make this clear for the audience. Um, it doesn't have to be, we're basing it on handicap because we're doing, we're trying to communicate an idea to a wide audience. Um, my experience of this with students is it's not solely based on handicap, which I'm not saying that Lou and Greg is thinking that either. It's just how we would articulate it on the pod. You know, if you're a 20 handicap, 15 handicap, whatever handicap, and you practice in nets lots and you've used launch monitors, not lots because you got one, you will have these feelings subject to how you've practiced. You, I've had, I did a test of like getting people to hit 50 yard shots on my swing catalyst force plate to see how pitching they use the ground in, in pitching. And I took off the um, screen because I was doing another test like with this one. Um, and some of them could feel 50 yards. Some of them hit it like 80 yards with no visuals. They just were like banging it 80 yards out there because they had no experience of an indoor hit with no visuals. So as I don't think we it's even related to um, your handicap. So really what I'm saying is, which is kind of the point of this pod, is you can get good at being better at practicing in a net. Like it's, it's like anything. If you practice in a net a lot and if you have any feedback tools, you'll get better at it. And I would say yeah. that's where Lou, I would say Lou's for his demographic. And that's why I guess my question wasn't quite phrased correctly earlier is that, I would say you're an outlier, Lou, in a net for your demographic. Um, I'm an outlier in many respects. But do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Because you've practiced in a net, you've had launch monitors, you you think yeah. about it and you put pulley systems up. I could tell you lots of five handicappers, scratch handicappers who never hit balls in nets and then they're forced because they yeah. move and they won't have a clue and they'll last two minutes in there because they'll just think, well, I'm not practicing, don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's that yeah, was the my question thing, is more yeah. built around you. I sometimes I ask you as representing, the, you know, the ninety nine mile an hour club and below, you know, because me. And- <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, boom. There you I go. Tell you, ro- rope sales are going to go through the roof after this. Through call. the roof. <laughs> well, well I still have something to talk about with respect to a rope, but the other <laughs> thing that I think is really important. Um, and Greg, I know you're. This is big for you. You spend a lot of time, and you've talked about this in the past. Where if you're practicing indoors in a net, I I think it's extremely helpful to have a mirror that you can use for setup. Um, and sometimes I'll go out there, um, and I will work just on some setup positions um, as part of getting ready to hit a golf ball and just doing some checks and making sure. You, do you work on that a lot too? I know you do quite a bit for putting. Do you do that quite a bit for your full swing as well, Greg? I, I, I do. I have tendencies that I don't like. Um, and so, yes, I do practice in the mirror a lot. I also don't mind looking at myself a lot. So <laughs> I'm pretty comfy there. Uh, no, I do Who practice. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's an oil painting over here. Thanks, yeah. Um so yeah so i do I, I actually put a bit of tape down the middle of the mirror or i use the crack in the mirror at the place where i train and uh there's a, there's a big crease down the. i don't install a rope um <laughs> and a whole pulley system um but uh yeah so you can just practice i think setting up is is just so easy and it's just so easy to get in front of a mirror once you learn what to do um it's just amazing to me i did a pro-am recently it was about 100 people and i'd swear 90 of them did set up correctly um you know, to a large degree. So it's it's just such easy to so easy to do. You're indoors anyway, and just practice moving into the ball and, and getting set up correctly and balanced is 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 key. How much difference? I'm gonna I'm I'm curious at Greg's answer first, and then Mark as a teacher. I'm curious what your answer is. But Greg, to you first. Um, so you saw some amateurs with some really poor setups, and I'm sure you you looked at them and went, "Boy, we could 
we could make a quick change in how you're setting up to this golf ball. If you did that, how quick of an impact can it have to amateur players that have poor setups? And I mean, maybe wildly poor setups. If you got them in the right, right uh, position, setting up to the ball, is it going to, is it going to be one of those things that you think could help them really quickly? It's a great question for Mark, to be honest. I haven't been coaching long enough where I would, where I would confidently say, oh yeah, we, this will do A, B and C. I'd say most of my criticism though, was just based on what I, you know, was pleasing to the eye to look at. You know, like I yeah. just didn't like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But Mark, you tell me, mate, like it's, if, you know, obviously how you hold the damn thing matters a lot. Um, so, but yes, I, I go ahead, Mark, far away. Well, I mean, it, what's interesting with this, and again, for the audience, the right position is a term that we need to be careful with because right. there is a, you'll have positions that look correct, you know, ones that we see on the telly and you do see repeat over and over again, but the only positions you need to be getting into are functional ones, which so you will see very different setups. And and most setups for golfers reflect the massive kinks that they have in their swing. So for anyone listening, if you've got something quirky in your setup, the question I would be asking myself is, why do you need that? And then finding out if there's some balances you can make to try and take those kinks out that might reduce curvature, improve strike, um, whatever, give you the shape of shot you actually desire. Um, it's very easy when you certainly when you start coaching as an inexperienced coach, you like you start setting people up, you know, because there's the correct setup that we're like talking, you know, there's the, there's the correct way. Like I could show a picture to Lou and all of, on Twitter, which one's better and worse. And I know the answers that I'll get, um, but I won't relate it to handicap and I could trip as many people up as I as get it right because they have to be functional. Setups have to be functional. And that is around body shapes, intentions, restrictions that people have in movement. There's so many things. So setup for me and for any person just has to be completely functional. But in other answer to your point, uh, Lou, is that I definitely see so many cheap wins for golfers in setup. Like so many. They're so cheap. Uh, it amazes me that people let them go. Like there's so much video and there's so much good information. There's plenty of bad, but there's so much good information out there to get certain things in a more functional way. And it does amaze me when I get students. And when I used to get students teaching full time, I would just think, wow, like I'm, I'm, you're not doing any homework because you've just come in and I'm going to have to fix something and you're paying me to do that. And I'm surprised because yeah. that, that information's out there, but okay, I, you know, you're here and that's what that's my job and we'll fix it uh, and make it more functional. So I think correct is a interesting word and one that you'll find most 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 teachers wouldn't use that word as much. They would use a more functional word nowadays. Definitely would have before you know, we go back five years, you'd have got most teachers saying you gotta set up correctly. Um mm. but yes, I see loads of cheap fixes in setups and you can change people quite dramatically quite quickly. Um, unfortunately, people regress to the mean far too quickly. So a setup. They can, do. So mm -hmm. setup is like um, I always call it. It's like giving them the, you know, the shocks to the heart if they've had a cardio. You know, you know, like on the in ER where they, and beep 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 beep, and they shock their heart and they come back. But if they don't go back and just start doing fifty days cigarettes, they'll be back in that A and E within two years, and they'll have to be shocked again. Um, I always say it's a bit like that. So setup can give you a shock and it's exciting and they go away and they think, oh, dooby-doo, this is great. But they come back and the setups often regress back to their mean, which is maybe aiming way left, grip going way weak, ball way forward, because you've not managed face in any of the lessons, so they've still got their huge cut. So, Which I think is why it's important to check in on that. It's a fundamental unit. And, and yeah. Greg, you talk about you check in on your setup all the time. Um, and yeah, very setup dependent player though. Like, like if it gets out a little bit, it's in my head and I hate it. Yeah, that's your meticulous um, side though, Greg, isn't it? You've spoken before on the pod about taking. You like it always sticks with me when you talk about you know becoming a pro. You set it out like a business plan. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I've not heard many pros say that they're doing it more as in, you know, they were just good and they got on tour and were good, but. It sounds like your meticulous side sees something maybe in your setup, even if it's having an actual effect, it still plays on your mind and you don't want it there almost. 
Right, right. And yeah, look, I think it was part of it was probably all of that stuff is just born out of I, I'm not good enough. I can't afford to get some of this other stuff wrong. Yeah. Um, but I just have tendencies, you know, I tend to lean into my lead side at setup because um, my right leg's shorter than my left. And and that's just not great for a left hander. So I tend to just get out of balance a little bit. So I got to keep an eye on it. Um, it's yeah. just something I have to do. It's not, it's nothing I'll ever get. You know what I mean? You know, people talk about, oh, I've got that move it's now. It's dynamic. I'll never get it. It's, it's, it's in and it's out, it you moves. know, so I got to keep on it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine the possibility is if you'd have used rope and, and some pulleys. Oh, there's and, no and question lever. I'd be a better I mean, player by now. It'd have been incredible. <laughs> if I mean, only I'd met you earlier, Lou. If only. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> the one thing I want to warn people against, and yeah. I think people fall into this trap, they get into the the, the video trap of getting into positions yeah, and they get indoors and, and it's really easy to set up, you know, everyone has a pretty decent camera on, on your mobile device these days. It's really easy to buy a $10 tripod and film every swing and you can buy cheap software to analyze. And I know some players, <clears throat> some friends of mine that just have gone down this rabbit hole Total rabbit of hole. just trying to find the right position. And yeah. all they do is work on positions and you would be so much better off uh, exaggerating feels and then just focusing on strike um, and just seeing where you're hitting it on the face and focusing on trajectory as opposed to trying to find the right exact spot for your body to be in. Great point, Lou. I totally agree. The rabbit hole of filming your swings can be such a mess, certainly for an untrained eye. And what you'll find with any good coach, the trained eyes, is that they will use equipment for reference but I know for me as a coach, the soon as I can get any student away from equipment, launch monitors, um, force plates, video, anything like that, I, I'm loving it because we're now talking about something that's functional. And how can we take that to the course and make it become even more functional with some better ideas and planning and taking that different lies and different situations? Um, the rabbit hole of video can be an absolute mess but the the, the, pe the students who fall into that rabbit hole you spot them straight away because they come back the week after for a lesson and they're saying oh, i'm trying this this week i'm trying this and i think well you paid mm. me quite a lot of money last week to tell you what we needed to work on have you done that yeah, yeah, yeah i think i've done that but i'm now trying this and they swing and you think well you're not doing either of the things like you're you have to literally try and reel them in like it's like catching a massive one but lots of them are like this you know it's like catching a jerk oh, you can't hook them because they're off trying the next thing so yeah, yeah that's a good point um a few little things i've seen this with then on hitting internets i mean i think we'd all agree there's loads of great opportunities to really move your game on in internet, isn't there changing a position changing speed changing strike changing your outlook of start direction and whatever it is. It, there's sure. great work can be done, isn't there? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then I would like to say, if, we, if you're thinking about speed training as well, like obviously GC3, any launch monitor, but there are lots of money. I mean, I when I got my stack system, which you could obviously speed train with, anyone who hasn't heard of the stack system, it's like a swinging weighted club that comes with an app. It's a, you know, it's a great device. But I bought one of those $100 off Amazon Little launch monitors. I can't even remember what it's called. PW little blue thing. Yeah, PRGR. That's PRGR. Yeah. Because that then allowed me. Because my launch monitor doesn't register unless a ball's hit. And using a swing stick, so my stack, it wouldn't register on. I needed something that would register the speed of the stick. So if you were doing speed training, they're not that accurate. There's a tolerance, but sometimes they're better than nothing. If you do capture enough swings, you'll be able to start working out when the misreads are there you know you'll start seeing some kind of pattern so getting aids when you're working in the nets which are appropriate could could also really move that practice on um as lou proved earlier with i think he was talking about was he talking about ropes or something greg yeah so that's my favorite <laughs> training aid that's Go my on. favorite training aid um so dr kwan uh if you know who dr yeah, kwan do, is yeah. i know you do mark He's down in your neck of the woods, Greg. He's a professor at uh, Texas Women's University, biomechanist. Um, and he has, you can Google Dr. Kwan rope swing drill. Um, and you just go through and you you swing a rope and he has some steps that you do with it. But I, I've been doing a lot of that. And I think it's extremely helpful um, for your swing for a number, uh, a number of reasons. Uh, I think probably most importantly, 
Um, it helps you to um, help helps you to feel the correct kinematic sequence, um, which is something that amateur golfers just typically don't have. Things are not starting in the right order. Um, and swinging the rope and doing some of the step drills while you're swinging the rope is, uh, is extremely helpful. So I mix in quite a bit of that these days. And I, I think so many people would be, would be, uh, better off if they, if they made that a, a regular diet. Hang on, hang, hang on a second. Has Moose working got... for a rope company or something? Uh, yeah, it says he's got shares in ropes now. <laughs> what is going on? We're, we're erecting ropes yeah. on the wall, and now we're swinging ropes. Like ropes. Yeah. Yeah. House ropes, made of rope. Ropes solve all of golf's problems. Uh, ropes are the key, yeah. You'll lose to... new sponsor, rope.com. <laughs> 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 this has been the most rope intensive session i've ever had in my yeah. life any are you done with ropes lou are we done uh, maybe <laughs> oh my God. for now until the next rope masterpiece for now. comes up there you for go now. wow we might call this the rope postcard uh, podcast the ropiest of all podcasts <laughs> definitely <laughs> Very there we go. Practicing internet, people. If it's something that you don't do already, it's certainly something I think that could help your game. Um, absolutely, there is some benefits to it. And obviously as well, which we didn't mention there, there's real benefits to doing work in nets and those kind of things. But you've got to remember then to take it to situation. There is also some, there are rarer groups of people that tend to like do too much of that work and then don't put it to situation Balls below their feet, first hole, top. And you just think, well, you've just been practicing for four months with your ropes and now you've just topped the first one. So making sure you're equating it out onto the course and testing your theories is also very valuable, as I'm sure most of you know. Thanks for listening. Catch us in the next podcast. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast already, give it a subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And send, uh, hit some stars. Let us know how we're doing. Hit those stars up so we can get a feel for if we're hitting the right calls or not. Thanks for listening. Speak to you all soon.